welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as we are recording this. It is the final day of the Denver Nuggets season. It comes to a, a screeching halt, unfortunately. Uh, but if you are reading the tea leaves, reading the signs, you could probably see this coming. I don't think this really surprised too many people, I hope. Uh, I picked the Nuggets to win this series, but after game one, you could really sort of see that there was going to be some issues with this team and and with how great the Suns actually were. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, the sort of fallout from this, but uh, I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, and we are going to talk about the Denver Nuggets losing their final game of the season to the Phoenix Suns. Final score, 125-118. The Nuggets get swept in this series. Uh, Nikola Jokic gets ejected in the, the later stages of the third quarter. And the Nuggets hang around for a little bit. They never actually get ahead. They never actually fully come back. But uh, they showed a lot of fight. And I think Nuggets fans, I think that's really all you can ask for after going down 3-0 and, and in the situations where Denver, they just weren't close for the first three games. Uh, this was a series where Denver got blown out twice in Phoenix. They never really made it that close when they were at home in game three a couple nights ago. And then tonight, you're, you're already down 3-0. So all you're hoping for is, can this Nuggets team fight through some of their struggles? Can they figure it out? Can they make it work? Can they put up a better effort and not and just do the do the Nuggets fan base proud? And I think it was hit or miss, a hit and miss, but mostly I'm proud. Mostly I'm proud to be a Nuggets fan tonight because of the way this Nuggets team comported themselves, uh, the way that every single player uh, continued to step up and prove that they just weren't going to back down even in a tough situation. The Nuggets could have let this thing slip away, and they could have said one, two, three, Cancun, especially after the the long, difficult time that they had in the bubble, but also the long, difficult season that they had. This was a really tough year. Michael Malone said as much, and and I think that this Nuggets team deserves a lot of credit for kind of staying with it. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk more about the resilience factor in the second segment, but First segment, let's just break down the game here. Uh, the Nuggets played the Suns tough. And and I want to really point that out because I think it's important to note that this was the closest game of all of them. And the Suns got a masterful performance from two of their stars. Chris Paul, 37 points on 14 of 19 from the field, 9 of 9 from the free throw line. Uh, he was incredible. Seven assists, two turnovers. Only a plus one, though, because the Nuggets, they fought back. Devin Booker, 34 points himself, 11 rebounds, 11 of 25 from the field. He had an inefficient shooting night, or or less efficient is what I will say. Uh, And Denver still struggled with him, but they they had a lot of issues. And and Denver, they they had to work through a lot of things. And when you have to face a backcourt like that, with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, uh, it was important for Denver to kind of change their starting lineup like they did tonight. They started uh, Monte Morris and Will Barton 
in in place of Austin Rivers, Faku Campazo. I thought that Faku was fine for most of the time during this series, and it wasn't really a reflection of him that they needed to uh, kind of change their formula. Denver just, they, they didn't have a lot of buttons to push. They weren't going to be able to bench Jokic. They weren't going to bench Porter. They weren't going to bench Gordon. Like, those three are entrenched in what Denver's doing now and going forward. So their other options were to kind of change up the backcourt, and I think that was the right call um, for what it's worth. But it was just tough, and and you you had to play you had to play the Suns tough, and the Nuggets did. They bought they battled back, and uh, all through the all through the first half, I thought that Denver was kind of right there. Uh, Phoenix scored twenty six points, if I can read the box score. Uh, twenty eight points in the first quarter to Denver's twenty two. Phoenix scored thirty five points in the second quarter to Denver's thirty three. Uh, so Denver was down by eight heading into halftime. And then they continue to go down uh, in that third quarter. And, and it was tough after the immediate aftermath of the Nikola Jokic ejection. Uh, so we'll talk about that. I, I want to talk about the ejection more forcefully in the second segment. But I thought that Denver fought back and did some good things in this game that I think it's tough because now it's the end of the season and you don't necessarily want to talk about the minutia as opposed to kind of like, what does this mean? Denver got swept. Does it even really matter? Like, I think there are still some things that Denver can pull on. Uh, like the fact that Will Barton had 25 points and in 39 minutes of action coming off of that hurt hamstring that he had, uh, they, they certainly kind of dispensed with that minutes restriction in order to try to win this basketball game. And uh, in 39 minutes, Will Barton was a plus two. So it means they lost his uh, other nine minutes by 10 points. Michael Porter, uh, still kind of a mess on the defensive end of things. He said after the fact that he wasn't really 100% after game one uh, when he tweaked that back. And it looks like it. He looks pretty stiff out there for the most part, but he still fought as well. Uh, 20 points. 7 of 16, uh, had three steals and a block. I thought that this was his best defensive game, despite the fact that he was still taken advantage of. Uh, It's always tough. It's always tough in situations like this. Uh, But Denver starters, they really fought. And I thought that uh, Denver's bench, they also gave some good minutes here. Faka Kambazo, 4 of 7 from 3. He didn't take it personally when he was benched. Uh, in place of Monte Morris. He hit four threes, scored 14 points, added two assists, and uh, fought really, fought like hell, basically, just to try to get back into this. Instead of going back to Paul Millsap, Denver went with JaVale McGee in this game, and he played really well. Maybe it was too little too late, and we can talk about whether that's actually like what it is, but I thought he played pretty well in this game, and I thought that he gave Denver a little bit of an energy boost, which is all you can really ask for. Seven rebounds in 20 minutes, three offensive, had two steals, had a couple nice moves. Uh, There's a lot to like there. But it all sort of comes down to the fact that the Suns, they had more answers than the Nuggets did tonight. They had more options. They had more counters for what Denver liked to do. 
Uh, and this was kind of the story of the series, was that this Suns team is very, very talented, very, very good. And whoever they face in the Western Conference Finals, they're going to give hell. They might even win it. They might go to the finals. Because they just have a great formula for what the playoffs are really asking for. Uh, two elite ball handlers in Chris Paul and Devin Booker that can score at all levels of the floor. Uh, two great wings in Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder, who are great role player options, who do a lot of different things. And then DeAndre Ayton, who proved a lot, I think, over the course of these past two rounds, facing uh, Anthony Davis first and then Nikola Jokic. Uh, I thought there was there's a little bit of uh, narrative out there that he played DeAndre, or DeAndre Ayton played Nikola Jokic to a standstill, uh, to a draw. It's not really what happened. Jokic is having to face like three people at the same time. And uh, Aiton just gets to focus on him. So I don't think that's actually what happened. Uh, Jokic finishes with 22-11-4 in his 28 minutes. But I do like what Aiton does. I, I do think that he is going to be a valuable contributor for the Suns team in the Western Conference Finals, no matter who they play. Uh, I think they match up better with the Jazz than they do with the Clippers. Uh, but I really like the Suns group. They are a versatile team. They can play many different styles. They can go up and down. Uh, they execute really well. I don't think the moment is too big for them. Uh, Chris Paul is clearly ready for it. Devin Booker is clearly ready for it. And uh, they've got a lot of guys who can really support those guys. But more on Denver. There's a lot to like about what Denver did, too. Uh, I like their fight, and we'll talk about that in the second segment. But I also like that they tried different things in this, and, and I thought that they kind of centered on a rotation that makes a lot of sense uh, when you talk about who are going to be the fighters uh, and who are going to be the guys that were going to give Denver their best chance to uh, stay close to the Suns and make it interesting. Barton took on a lot of responsibility. Uh, Aaron Gordon was defending Devin Booker pretty much the entire time. Uh, it's tough; like it's not a it's not a great situation for him. And they were running Aaron Gordon off of a lot of screens, and that's something that if he's going to defend guards going forward, then it's going to have to be something that Aaron Gordon gets better at. But uh, it's hard to dislike. Anything about Denver's effort tonight? It's hard to really say that much of anything, given the fact that uh, Joker got into foul trouble. Or not not foul trouble, but got him got himself ejected. Uh, he was playing well up until that point, but it's just a it's a weird thing to talk about at this stage because I, I think there was there was a general reaction to it, and you know what? Let's just save that for the other side. Let's talk about that on the other side of the break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the ejection and also just kind of Denver's mentality for fighting back and why that matters so much in a situation like this. But first, this podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. Uh, they are a great sportsbook app and they are doing a great job of getting new users involved and, and getting them involved in sports betting. I bet tonight made a buck um, and we're kind of in between reads right now, but I've just been very impressed with what they do, and I know that you will be too. Uh, 
If you are interested in sports betting, then I should definitely recommend, and I do definitely recommend, to download DraftKings Sportsbook and use promo code MHS when you sign up. That lets them know that you came from me. Uh, It gives me a lot of support, and I'm sure that they would greatly appreciate it, as would I. That if, if you're getting involved into sports gambling, you want to bet against the Suns for the rest of the time, uh, bet against uh, Chris Paul making every single mid-range shot, uh, then you probably could make that work. Uh, but make sure to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS, and you can sign up uh, for whatever promo they have next. They will be using a lot of different promos here. They always come up with new ones. Great for new users. That's promo code MHS. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back here on Pickaxe and Roll. back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, All year, the the one defining trait I think you could really point to for this Nuggets group uh, was their resilience. Uh, It started in the bubble, and I think that we can really take this conversation back to that point too, because I think this story of this team really does start in the bubble. Um, It's within the last calendar year. Uh, So many of the players were involved in that as well. And I think this group, it really took its lead from Jamal Murray and how he gutted it out in the bubble environment and just wasn't going to say no for an answer. Same thing with Nikola Jokic. All year they showed heart. All year they showed fight, resilience, did not quit. They had an opportunity to quit here, and they chose not to. Game four, you're down 3-0. Your best player gets into foul trouble. Uh, and and it's even worse than, than you really realize here because he goes up for a shot, doesn't get a call, kind of a, a consistent theme. And he decides that he's going to try to make a frustration foul and send a message to the referees saying, hey, you missed that one. You definitely should have given me a call, so I'm going to make you call this here, and we're going to talk about it. Instead of giving the normal frustration foul, however, uh, Cameron Payne grabs the rebound, is moving at the time where Jokic is trying to smack at the ball. Cameron Payne moves the ball away from Nikola Jokic, but Jokic still tries to get his hand on it. In the process, he smacks Cameron Payne's face, uh, hits him directly in the nose, uh, it was pretty. It looked pretty bad on replay, uh, but it was also clear that on replay that he was making a play for the basketball, not for Cameron Payne's face. And it's just too bad that that this ultimately, I th- it didn't decide the game, but it certainly made it a lot more difficult for Denver to get back into things, uh, where Jokic is on the floor versus not on the floor for the last sixteen minutes. And the refs review it, decide that it is a flagrant two. They eject him. Uh, Michael Malone was dumbfounded after uh, when speaking to media in the press conferences. 
Uh, Monty Williams, the Phoenix Suns head coach, was also asked about it, said that he didn't expect it to be an ejection either. Uh, there are a lot of NBA players that voiced their their feelings about it online and said that they didn't think that it should be an ejection. I think Phoenix Suns fans and and some general NBA fans thought, well, you got to eject them for that. It's a, it's, a, it's a reckless act or whatever. There wasn't any intent to injure. He went for the ball, actually did contact the ball. He just had to go through Cameron Payne's face and, and his nose, the, the edge of his nose, in order to do so. Uh, it wasn't great, and Jokic ultimately gets ejected for that act. Uh, at 3.52 left in the third quarter, the Nuggets were down eight points at that point. Uh, JaVale McGee comes in. He plays the rest of the way. And it's it says a lot about JaVale McGee. It says about a lot about maybe the way that Michael Malone managed these rotations. And if, if there was one complaint I think Nuggets fans could have, it would be after seeing JaVale McGee and the way that he played against the Suns, why wasn't he playing before? Why was Paul Millsap playing as much as he was? And it's tough. Uh, it's not a. It's not an easy decision. And when you only have three games prior to this, you don't want to make any rash choices and and like changes to a rotation, uh, especially when McGee didn't even really play in the first series either. So, and they, they didn't need Paul. They they didn't need Javale McGee in the first series. It actually would have made it worse. But JaVale comes in and he plays really well. He gets a lot of good energy plays. Uh, I think he blocked a shot. He was a plus five in his minutes. And that really stands out in the way that Denver kind of needed to operate. He helped Denver maintain composure during that time just by being a a traditional center. He limited shots right at the rim, made some plays, forced the Suns to beat them with jump shots. And they ultimately did, but they had to work for it. And that's all you can ask for from somebody who wasn't playing that much. Uh, But the resilience really comes from everybody else because you already saw Jamal Murray go down. You don't have P.J. Dozier, you know that. Uh, But now you see your MVP go down. Now you see the guy that you kind of center everything around. And you could fold in that situation, down eight with four minutes left to go in the third. And especially with the way that the quarter ended, Denver went on a really bad run towards the end of that. And they're actually down, I think, 15 uh, at the end of the third quarter. So it could have gone that way, and it could have continued to turn into a blowout, but the Nuggets didn't let it. They had a lot of guys that were contributing otherwise. Will Barton was chief among them. He scored 25 points and 21 shots, and It wasn't the most efficient performance, but he left it all out there in order to get this team back into things. Michael Porter, as I said, uh, he got them back into things. Had a really nice uh, three-pointer in transition. I think it was in the third. I think that was when Jokic was still out there. But uh, just a couple of really impressive plays from Porter. uh, and He had a really nice uh, transition dunk through traffic, which was really cool. Uh, but it was Monte Morris, it was JaVale McGee, it was Faku Campazzo making timely plays. It was uh, it was Aaron Gordon. Like, I thought the Nuggets all responded in a really positive way in that fourth quarter. And they, it goes to 30, they, they win that fourth quarter 35 to 29. So 
I was wrong. It was actually a 13-point lead in the fourth quarter, but they turned a 13-point lead for the Suns into a 7-point lead. And in or, like in a, a, being able to do that, I think just says a lot about the character of this team, about who they are, about their belief in themselves, their belief in each other. They could have quit, and they decided not to. It's not in their DNA. It never has been. They always were going to fight back. They're always going to hustle. Denver actually finished plus one in the final 16 minutes of the game without Nikola Jokic. That's a really impressive number, given how reliant Denver generally is on their superstar. Jamal Murray was Captain Resilience. Uh, that is something that I would I would crown him with. I would say, look, there are players that really define who you are in your identity. I think Jokic's uh, his unselfishness, his willingness to be uh, the glue guy, the garbage collector in certain situations means that it's okay when he's the star. And everybody else is okay with that. Everybody else is happy for him when he has his star moment because of his willingness to do other things. Jamal's identity contributor is that resilience, that fight, that no-quit mentality. So to see this team fight back for him when he goes down is really, really impressive. Joker fought for this team all year. Will Barton fought to get back into a a healthy condition so that he could try to help this team advance. Michael Porter fought to get better throughout the year. He was at very low points throughout this season and was able to kind of turn himself around. I think everyone contributed in that regard. Monte Morris, Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, JaVale McGee, Jamichael Green, Paul Millsap, everybody. It's going to be tough to see this team go, and it's going to be tough, as I will talk about in the third segment, about where this team generally goes from here, because they had something really special, in my opinion. There was a fleeting moment where I thought that this team was really going places, and it was taken right from Denver, but to see them fight back in their stead and still continue to do this, even in a situation where you're down 3-0. I think that says a lot about the character of this team. It says a lot about how really, really good the Suns are, that they could withstand this and not even give Denver a game. Uh, It's tough. It was always going to be tough, but that's just how it is. The playoffs are unforgiving. The bubble was unforgiving for Denver. Uh, They made that deep run, and they were the last team left in the bubble. And it's just sad that, that that's ultimately what happened here. Um, it took a toll on everybody. Michael Malone said that this was the most difficult season he's had to coach in 20 years. That's pretty stark. That's a pretty heavy thing to say. And he's said it multiple times now. So it must be true. This entire team is feeling it. Now, I know that they are upset about being eliminated here. I know that their resilience, their dog mentality, their fighting, it's not going to help them in this situation to try to recover from this loss. 
But I'm in the situation right now that without Murray, there wasn't that much for this team to give. Not at this point. They gave that great moment and that great fight against Portland. Portland was a, a an easier matchup, clearly. They didn't know who they were, and they were just going to be Dame's team. And when Dame couldn't carry them in Game 6, everything fell apart for them. But there's only so much that that mentality can take Denver. There's only so far. And it really stands out, I think, that this Nuggets group, they were able to make it work, starting Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, and Michael Porter, and Aaron Gordon around Nikola Jokic. Michael Porter couldn't really dribble for much of these playoffs. Aaron Gordon, he went from being able to shoot in the Portland series uh, to not hitting a three in this series against the Suns. He, He became very unconfident with his shot. Austin Rivers was somebody who the Nuggets just picked up because of the Murray injury. He was here for about eight weeks, maybe. He left his mark. I will definitely say that. He'll be a cult hero in Denver, regardless of if he's of if he's back or not. And then Faku Campazzo. Monte Morris said after the game, he, he had some glowing things to say. I'm not going to repeat them all. I actually don't have the full quote with me. But it really just stands out. This group, they needed Faku Campazzo and his energy, and his willingness to do the dirty work, to do the things this group just wasn't going to be able to do after their bubble run, uh, the hustle, the need to do everything. So, I think that this group deserves the credit that they're, I hope that they get. I hope Nuggets fans give them their flowers here. I hope that the NBA world gives them their flowers here and realizes, hey, Without Jamal Murray and given what they've already accomplished, like it was always going to be difficult. I think everybody deep down really knows that. But that is it with this season. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to start talking about the offseason. I'm not going to get into anything real deep. I'm just going to kind of preview where the conversations are going to start, what this Nuggets team is going to need to start focusing on and what Nuggets fans can really look forward to. We will be right back. Pick Axe and Roll. We're back, pickaxe and roll, final segment here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, The 2020-2021 season is over for Denver. And I think we're going to probably look back at it as the year of what could have been. Uh, There was a two-week stretch. I alluded to it last segment, but there was a two-week stretch from about March 26th to April 10th or so. That was an incredible time to be a Nuggets fan. Denver was winning. They were winning convincingly. And they were winning in a way with the personnel that they had 
that they just were the most dominant team in the NBA at that point when all of their guys were on the floor. There was a brief stretch where they were. It was a five-game stretch where, and I think the fifth game actually happened on April 12th, and we'll get to that, uh, where Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic, where they were all on the floor and kicking ass. That brief stretch was the first time in my life that I thought that the Nuggets had a tangible chance to win a championship. I haven't ever thought that way about a team before. Uh, a Nuggets team, for that matter. So it makes a big difference, and it, it's, it really is a big deal that it was as fleeting as it was. That team had such little short life before the pain and disappointment rained down after that Golden State game on April 12th. Murray goes careening under the baseline, tears his ACL, and it really did feel like the world came crashing down at that point. Denver, they were doing pretty well up until then. There are a couple road bumps and hiccups here or there, but mostly it was, it was pretty good. They had their guys. Murray was all-star caliber. Jokic MVP caliber, of course. Porter was growing into his own. Barton and Gordon, they were the fourth and fifth options. And that's how that team was going to play and progress. But ultimately, that came crashing down on April 12th. Denver still figured some things out going forward. Uh, Will Barton was very good. Monte Morris was very good. Both of them, cons- like they, they ultimately got hurt as well. Uh, but then Faku Campazzo stepped up, and P.J. Dozier stepped up, and then P.J. Dozier got hurt. But throughout all that time, Jokic was doing his thing. Porter was doing his thing. Gordon was trying to figure out his way. And there was still a lot to like about this Nuggets group. There were some great moments for this team throughout the year. That even though they didn't win a title, there's still some things the Nuggets fans I hope you look back on. Denver, they entered the All-Star break with all three of Murray, Porter, and Jokic playing well. That stretch where after Porter was struggling and he finally started to get back into a rhythm, you had times where Jokic was going for big points, Murray went for 50 against the Cavs, uh, Porter had his moments as well. There was just a lot of time where all three of those guys were averaging about 20-plus and just looking great looking like they absolutely fit in together. And then they traded for Aaron Gordon after the All-Star break, and they were kicking ass. That win against the Clippers on April 1st, that's one of my favorite wins of the season because it was so tangible in the way that like, it just didn't matter what the Clippers did. The Nuggets showed who they were and were able to prove that in a, in a traditional sense they could be a title contender because they had the pieces to match up with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And then they had a mismatch that they just don't have an answer for in Nikola Jokic. Then when you get into the playoffs, fast forward, because the rest of that time between like 
April 12th and when, when Murray went down and then the, f- the first round of the playoffs, all of that is kind of a blur. Uh, but when you get into the playoffs and you start to figure out, okay, this team can really do some things, but they need help. They need somebody to really step up. Austin Rivers in game three, being the hero and doing all the things he needed to do in order to win that basketball game on the road against the Blazers. That set the tone for this Nuggets team just being incredible. And they were. They played great against the Blazers. That game three, with Austin Rivers being the hero. Game five, double overtime, with Jokic threading the needle over the top of Robert Covington to Michael Porter for a game-winning three. Porter's 22 points in the first quarter of the next game against the Blazers in that game six. And then Denver fighting back in that same game. And Jokic putting his stamp of approval on it in order to win that basketball game. There was just so much to love. And capping it all off, Jokic winning MVP. First MVP ever for this Nuggets franchise. Hopefully the first of multiple for Nikola. I don't know if he'll ever win another MVP. It's very possible that this Nuggets group, uh, that they don't ever figure it out to that point. Or that Jokic doesn't ever reach that threshold again. He's going to need a break for this upcoming season, for this next season. It's going to be really tough, and I don't know if he's going to be able to defend that MVP title. People might throw a fit if they give it to him as well. But Jokic winning MVP is going to be one of the highlights of my life covering the Nuggets. Because he deserves it. He genuinely does. Nuggets fans know that. But now, as we transition into the offseason, there's going to be a lot of interesting discussion points. There's going to be a lot of things to talk about, and I've got some key points here that I, I want Nuggets fans to focus in on. I've got five things that we can talk about. Michael Porter Jr.'s extension uh, as a player with three years on his, like, uh, as a rookie. He has four years on his rookie contract. He just finished year three of that contract because he was drafted in 2018. He did only play in two of those years, but much like Joel Embiid, uh, Michael Porter, he's going to need to be given, uh, like he's, he's going to have to figure it out. Uh, ben Simmons is actually a better comp because 2016, he sat out his rookie year. Then he played his next two seasons, proved that he was worth a max contract. And the or the Sixers gave it to him. Denver's discussions with Michael Porter Jr. are going to be very interesting. They already have given out max contracts to Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. That max for Jokic is also going to ultimately be more pricey going forward. They can't offer it to him this offseason, but next offseason, the Nuggets can offer Jokic what's basically going to be a five-year, $250 million contract. That's a lot of money. So you have to figure out where best to allocate that money, whether it's with Jokic, Murray, and Porter, whether it's with Jokic, Murray, Porter, and Gordon, 
whether it's just with Jokic and Murray, how best can Denver figure out how to pay for all those guys? And the good news is, is that if they're willing to pay, they should be able to. Porter's going to be a restricted free agent. He's like, he should be a guy that Denver keeps for a long time, if that's what they choose. But they have an option to give him a five-year, $178 million extension, or somewhere close to it, in the offseason, over this summer. Will they give it to him? That is my big question. Next point, Will Barton's player option. Barton showed that when he came back with this team and and was willing to give his all and and do what he could to help help this team to wins, he was a winner, and he was somebody that was able to really help. But he also has an option, given with his player option, that he could choose to go somewhere else. He could choose to try to chase the bag and get some more money, get some more cash, find a different situation. Uh, I assume that he's going to want to be in Denver. We'll see whether we can ask him that question and, and what he's planning on doing with that. I'm sure that we'll get a tepid response and he'll just say that he'll talk with his agent about it and figure it out. But he has a player option that he could choose to exercise and say that he wants to be back. Or he could say that he doesn't want to be back or he just wants a new deal and does want to be back. There are a lot of different ways that Denver could handle that, that Barton can handle that. I'm curious to see which one he chooses. Denver may not have enough money for Will Barton on a long-term deal. However, they also need some sort of replacement for Jamal Murray in the short term so that they don't bottom out. I think Denver can get by with a Monte Morris, Will Barton, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic lineup. I think they can absolutely do that uh, and still be really, really good in the regular season. They're not going to have Murray back for a while, so I wonder when those timetables are going to ultimately look like, but I would guess that Denver tries to bring back Will. and. That should be a good thing for Nuggets Nation. Next, how to manage the guard options in the backcourt, because it's not just Will Barton. You've got to figure out what to do with P.J. Dozier. Is he going to be like he's on a non-guaranteed contract that I assume they're going to guarantee? Do they want to decline that and try to pay him a little bit more and get him on a better contract? That's a good question. Uh, Do they want to just pay him as little as they can and then see where his season goes going forward? That's probably what they'll do. Uh, Marcus Howard, on a two-way contract, he proved that he could be a fringe bench option. Are they going to sign him? Uh, I assume that they're going to keep around Monte Morris and Faku Campazzo, but they might decide that they want to change that up. They might say, hey, We need a little bit more size in the wing and in the guard spots, especially with Murray out. Maybe the best thing to do is keep a guy like Austin Rivers around and have him bounce around between point guard and shooting guard. You never know. Next, rebuilding the front court. Because Denver, 
they'll have Jokic, Porter, and Gordon under contract, but JaVale McGee is a free agent. Paul Millsap is a free agent. Bull Bull, not sure what they're going to do there. Uh, Jamichael Green is under contract, so you would assume that he would stick around, but I'm not sure. Like He may not stick around because I think there's also a very strong option that Denver wants to commit to Zeke Naji. And they might decide that they want to play Zeke Naji a little bit more, but they may not be able to play him at center. He's not quite big enough. So there's a lot of questions and a lot of ways that Denver could reconfigure that front court. Whether they want to bring back McGee, I doubt that they bring back Paul. I think they've probably reached uh, the ultimate crossroads there. But they could decide to do a variety of different things. Maybe they bring, bring in a couple new people. I don't know. And then last, building the team to survive without Murray and thrive with them. Denver has to balance those two ideals, and that's probably one of the most important things for this team. How do they build for the regular season where they need to survive? Basically, probably going to play half the season without Jamal Murray. Can they build a team? That makes sense both without him and with him. I think that they can do that. But it's going to be really interesting. and They're going to have to figure out ways that they can make life easy for him when he does come back. Maybe that's playing him more at shooting guard. Maybe that's having a, a great point of attack defender. Somebody that doesn't... Some, somebody that makes it easier for Murray to not have to chase people around. Maybe they try to gear up so that they have Murray as the 40-minute-per-game option at point guard. And then they try to gear up other people around him. Figure out, okay, how are we best going to use him in a playoff series going forward? I doubt that they would do that. I doubt that they would immediately subject him to that. But this team, they have a championship window. And they're not going to want to waste it. I will just say that there were a lot of minutes that guys like Vlaco Chanchar, Bol Bol, Zeke Naji just could not play in the playoffs. And JaVale McGee was like that too. And Paul Millsap really got played off the floor too. Denver had a lot of power forwards. They had a lot of bigs, players that really couldn't stick in the playoff environment. I wonder how they reconfigure the roster so that it makes more sense around the current personnel that Denver has and whether they do, whether they change anything. If they just bring back the same cast, then that means that they're just hoping that Murray comes back and they're hoping for a different result. If they change some things up, then maybe they have a couple doubts here or there. Or maybe they just find an opportunity where they could improve. I hope that Tim Connolly continues to look for ways to improve. You never want to be too stagnant. You never want to bring back the same group, kind of word for word, player for player. Because if you do, and you fail again, it gets a little stale. I think Denver needs a little bit of a change up here or there. Not a lot. Because they still need that chemistry. But until they get Murray back, they're going to need to find somebody 
who can really replace him. Maybe that's Porter. Maybe Michael Porter comes back like a different player. Because if he comes back and is now suddenly handling the basketball better, shooting off the dribble, playmaking for others, that is drastically different from where he left. All of that could change this offseason. You never know. I'm curious to see how it ultimately goes. But for now, I think I'm going to sign off. Uh, It was a great season. And I really enjoyed covering it with my peers over at Denver Stiffs. Uh, My friends over at Mile High Sports who helped put together this podcast with me. Uh, Jeff Morton, Nate Nate Lundy, and Neil Apiro, guys like that. But for my friends over at Denver Stiffs, uh, Brandon Ewing. Gordon Gross, Jenna Garcia, Gage Bridgeford, Tommy Knowlton, Evan Fiala, Daniel Lewis, good old friend Zach Mikosh, everybody over there. Thank you so much. Make sure to give them all the love and support on a really tough season. Uh, they stuck it out, and they made it really, really easy. Or they, they did their best to make it easy for me, and and I. Genuinely appreciate each and every one of them for that. So give them some support. Go throw them a follow over at Twitter. Send them a nice message. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you so much for hopping on with me and helping make this podcast a resounding success. You guys are awesome. Thank you for all the love and support. I'll be back over the course of these next few days, give you a better plan of what I really expect to happen as I get the information to me. Uh, we'll make sure to dive deep into the season and then some off-season stuff. And we'll, we'll do both and try to give as much content as I very much possibly can. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. I'll talk to you guys very soon. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.